Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Hi, everybody. My name's Polly, and I'm an alcoholic. By God's grace, in a program called Alcoholics Anonymous, I haven't had a drink since April the 11th of 1977, and for that, I am eternally grateful. I have a home group. Am I, is it, you're going to help me? You're going to hit me? (laughs) I have a home group, and that's the West Connect group in Jacksonville, Florida, and I have a sponsor, and my sponsor has a sponsor. And um, I am so honored to be here. I am just so honored. And, Dick, I hope enough people tell you and Barbara Thank you for everything you've done. Because one of the things that's uh, that I am sensitive to. I'm one of those alcoholics in the big book that's just too sensitive, and uh, I seem to have this sponge-like body, and uh, I just feel energy. And it's so wonderful to be in a place like this hotel, and you and Barbara found it, that want us. And I think that we all feel that. And when you feel that, it makes it all that more special. So thank you so much. Thank you, Barbara. You guys have just worked so hard. And um, I just want you to know I appreciate it. I appreciate being able to be a part of it. So thank you so much. Um, I get to do step 12 this morning, and uh, it's, the, it's the one in the big book that says, you know, practicing this step is something you will not want to miss. And uh, I love that first paragraph in the big book about step 12, and, uh, and you won't want to miss it. And I'm so excited to get to talk about this step because it's something that means so much to me, because um, I'm going to talk a lot about sponsorship this morning, because uh, I have a passion, and uh, it's, it's wonderful when I get to come to conferences and I get to share my experience, strength, and hope. I'm not sure I like speaking, but I like meeting all of you, and I like you know, gathering up together because there are people in this room and if I hadn't been invited to stand at one of these podiums, I would have never met you. And that's the beauty of it. And I just love that part of it. But I have a passion and I have a gift that I've been given in Alcoholics Anonymous and it's what I like to call my girls. And uh, I have these girls and when... uh, I know it's it's always so funny because usually I got Dave with me this weekend. Sometimes that doesn't matter because lots and lots of people have stayed in the room with Dave and I. <laughs> but that what happens is is if I'm at a conference, most of the time there's it, there is a minimum of four of us in the room, and most of the time six. So we just gather up and, you know, and we do sponsorship. That's, that's what happens. And so for me to be able to talk on step 12 this morning is a real treat. But also, 
Dick says he's allowing me to do something. And he says, well, honey, it's your meeting. And uh, because one of my girls is celebrating 20 years, and I want to give her her chip. This is Deborah, and Deborah's an alcoholic. <laughs> and like Clancy said, you know, like so many people have said this weekend, I don't know who, I think it's Clancy saying, Deborah shouldn't drink. It really is not a good idea. But it is with great pleasure that I give her her 20 year chip. So Polly leans over just now and says, say a quick something. So I do what my sponsor tells me to do. I'm just grateful to God, to the people in these rooms, and to good sponsorship that I've been able to do this. Um, I'll tell you all something really quick. My kids couldn't trust me. I left them alone at night when I was drinking. Five years ago, I was allowed to deliver my grandson. I was the first human hands to touch that child. I owe that to this program. That's all I got. <laughs> Oh, gosh, I don't even know. It always usually takes me a minute to kind of get into what it is I'm supposed to say today. Um, But one of the things that, as I was listening to Sonia read the step, uh, to carry this message to other alcoholics, I seem to be able to do that much easier than practice these principles in all my affairs. <laughs> and, uh, and yet I know that that is just as important as me carrying the message to other alcoholics. And, uh, and the reason that today that that's very important to me is that for the first three years of my sobriety and Alcoholics Anonymous, I was, I was sponsoring women. I was of service. In fact, I like to laugh with Sandy because I started in what's called hospital and institution. Do you guys call it H&I here? Well, that's what we called it in Texas. That's what we call it in California. And that was the first organization outside the group level that I got involved in. And I still remain involved in that level of service today in hospitals and institutions. And what I did is I volunteered at a prison in Fort Worth, Texas. It was a federal state, it was a federal prison, and it was a a minimum security prison. It was, you know, usually for offenses like robbery and stuff. It was nonviolent acts. And, uh, and you would know more about all that than me, but that's the best I can describe it. <laughs> and so what happened was, is the Fort Worth State Conference, uh, the Texas State Conference came to Fort Worth, Texas. And, uh, there was this wonderful place that it was being held called Green Oaks in Fort Worth. And, uh, this was 1978. And, uh, I was a whopping one year sober. And I was allowed to take five girls out of that penitentiary to take to that meeting. 
But I was instructed that if I lost sight of those girls, I had this phone number, and I had to call the federal marshals. So what happened is, now I am really naive. Now, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, I didn't smoke any dope, and I didn't take any illegal pills, and I didn't even say the F word till I got here. <laughs> and... Uh, just, you know, just a lot of, you know, a lot of that stuff. I mean, it's like I was, you know, I, I just wasn't having a lot of fun with my drinking. I was just kind of passed out, ignoring children and doing nothing. And uh, so I didn't, it was just, all of this was very new to me. And uh, so I was given this opportunity. Now, I had taken those girls out from time to time, one at a time, like and taken them shopping and stuff like that to get needs that they had. But this time I had been allowed to bring five of those girls. or th- No, uh, four of those girls, five of us including me. Four of those girls. And I hit the parking lot at Green Oaks. And those four girls bailed and just scattered. And I'm like, where did they go? And, of course, all of you who are very much more know what's going on in in the world, not the real world, but that other world, as Sandy said, said, Oh, honey, they run into any of those rooms right there to meet some dude. Because most of them were in that prison because they were taking a fall from some guy. And uh, so if you think Al-Anon doesn't work in federal penitentiaries, it does, because a lot of those women are in there for those reasons. So anyway, or any penitentiary. So anyway, I have to call these federal marshals. So here it is, you know, me, here I am, getting all the kind of attention I don't want to have. I mean, sirens are going and all this kind of stuff is happening. So... Anyway, that's when I met Sandy Beach for the first time in 1978 with all these, you know, federal marshals. So all of my uh, all of my efforts as far as carrying the message and working with hospital and institutions has not always been like that. But that happened, and I think it's it's really wonderful that we get experiences. Now. My AA sponsor, Dottie, tells me, she says, anything that happens to us, it's, you know, it's, it's, there are no negatives in God's world. It's just an opportunity to grow. So what happened for me in early sobriety as far as 12-step work goes, there was a lot of people, we did a lot of 12-step work. And, uh, and for, and, uh, the mid cities area is where I live between Dallas and Fort Worth. And, uh, the first sponsee I had, I couldn't, I kept trying to call her and call her and call her and she wouldn't answer. And I had gotten sober, uh, two times in this place called, uh, the uh, Alcoholism Recovery Center, which was, we called it the ARC, and it was a place in Euless, and I had some friends at work there. So I went running over there, and I said, I can't get a hold of her. I can't get a hold of her. I don't know what's wrong. And he says, well, let's go to her house. So we went to her house, 
and uh, we saw her laying on the sofa. And uh, what happened was, was there was a bathroom window that was lifted, and uh, and he ripped the screen out of of the bathroom window, boosted me up, and I went inside, and uh, and she was dead. Now that was an experience I had with sponsor, with sponsorship, being a sponsee, and I learned a long time ago that I cannot save anybody from alcoholism, that this is a disease that kills. And I was terrified. I mean, I was so upset, and of course my ego was so firmly planted that I knew I had done something wrong. I shouldn't have been sponsoring her. I don't have enough spon- you know, sobriety, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and that's when my friends shared with me that, you know, I don't have that kind of power. You do not have that kind of power, Polly. All you did was share with her what you had. Then, when I was two years sober, I had uh, I had a male sponsor, and uh, everybody at Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, all of us have. We're always so willing to give you know advice. It's not in the big book, but you know, it's AA jargon. And uh, everybody kept saying, you need a woman sponsor. You need a woman sponsor. And uh, so I I just kept hearing that. And uh, uh, Frank Fitzpatrick, who was my AA sponsor, he said, well, you know, maybe that, maybe they, you need to do that. You keep hearing this and maybe you need to do this. So I got this lady for my sponsor. And we decided to take a trip to Acapulco for a few days. And uh, there was four of us, her and her sister and me and a friend of mine. And we all went to Acapulco. And she proceeded to get drunk in Acapulco. So what I learned from that experience is your sponsor can't keep you sober. <laughs> she may get drunk. <laughs> And at the time, I thought these were horrible things that were happening to me, that it wasn't fair. Why would this happen to me? So I went chasing back. Instead of seeing the lesson, I went chasing back into my AA group with uh, all of my two years of recovery and saying, see, I knew I shouldn't have gotten a woman for an AA sponsor. All of you are telling me what to do. She went and got drunk and made it their fault. You know, of course it's not my fault. If you hadn't have told me to do this, then I wouldn't have had this happen. So these were some experiences in early sobriety with a sponsee and a sponsor. And then the other thing is practice these principles in all your affairs. My first three years in Alcoholics Anonymous, I was not practicing these principles in all my affairs. I was going to work at the, at the federal penitentiary. I was taking meetings into hospitals. I was sponsoring people, and I was taking people through the steps. I was doing all of that stuff. But on the other hand, what I was doing is I was acting out sexually 
and Alcoholics Anonymous. And what happened was, is that if you had been a newcomer Al-Anon wife that walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous with your husband and you saw me, you probably wouldn't think AA was a very good idea. Because I needed attention so badly that I was willing to do whatever it took to get attention. And I wanted the attention from men. And it just seemed like if you'd love me enough, I'd be okay. And I had worked the steps, but what had happened is, is I still did not have that reliance that Sandy was talking about this morning on God. I didn't have that. And I felt like, even though I had been shown that my sponsor couldn't keep me sober, that I couldn't keep anybody sober, I still had that idea that if you loved me enough, that I'd be okay. And I was still counting on you to love me and fill up that hole. So practicing these principles and all my affairs was not something I was doing. Um, I've gotten a beautiful blessing from the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we were talking about gifts of sobriety on Friday. And the greatest gift of my sobriety is uh, my husband Dave, besides my own sobriety. And uh, Dave and I met. Dave knew me through those years. and But he loved me anyway, and he and I did not have that kind of relationship. We had an AA relationship. You know, that was appropriate. And... Uh, And he asked me at three and a half years of sobriety, Dave asked me, and I've known him since I was six months sober, Dave asked me to marry him. And I hadn't been on a date with him. I hadn't been anything. (laughs) We had just been friends. And he asked me to marry him. And he said, but Polly, you need to get something straight. I don't want to have an affair with you. I want to marry you. And what had happened is, is Dave and I had become friends. And we've said after we got married that if we'd have known we were going to get married, we'd have never told each other the things we told each other. (laughs) Some of that could have all been left unsaid. But what happens is, is that I've learned that a lot of what Sandy was talking about. And the message comes to us in a lot of forms that we get about the message of God. And uh, I didn't didn't know this when I married Dave. I read it a long time later because I'm really interested in all kinds of religions and I like to read about them and all of that, even though I have my own religion. I like to, I, I just feel like 
a lot of the prejudices and a lot of the things that we have in our lives today is because we just don't understand other people. And so what I try to do is I read about it. And uh, so I read a book called the Bhagavad Gita, and, uh, and that's about the Hindu religion. But what happens is, is there's a statement in there that I have held on to. And that statement is, to love another person totally, you see the eyes of God. And because of that, Dave accepted me and loved me and knew all about me. And because of that unconditional love is what led me to the relationship that I have today with God. And for that, I'm ever grateful, honey. That, And I know how we were, you know... Sandy was talking today about forgiveness and that we have to let things go and we have to forgive people and that if we hang on to it, only we are the ones who are tortured. And and it's the same with when we have a resentment. You know, if any of you have ever heard Cliff Roach talk about resentment, you know, he talks about this resentment he had with this debater, and he had this resentment against him forever, and the guy didn't even know he had it, and he was, you know, suffering, caused his whole debate team to suffer. You know, and that's what resentment does. That's what we, that's what happens when we hang on to this kind of anger and hate. And I was blessed. And I was so new in sobriety. And I think about that today. Dave and I just celebrated 31 years of marriage. And I feel like, you know, how did... We've had lots of examples walking before us, Linda and Bob, and there's been Sally and Albert, and all of the people that we've had walking before us that showed us how to do it because Dave and I didn't want to do that again. So, But I'm not here to talk about relationships. I'm here to talk about the 12th step. But um, I think that's important because, you know, uh, for a long, long time I lived in the bedevilments. And one of the, you know, two of the bedevilments that I like to think about is that we're having trouble with personal relationships. And, uh, and it, like earlier, it was stated by Mari, is that we are people, and I'm glad you read the 12 and 12, because like Sandy, so do I. <laughs> and it says in the 12 and 12 that we are people who are incapable of conducting a person, you know, a, to forming a personal relationship with another person or partnership, a, per- a partnership with another human being. That's who we are. And so we continue to live in the bedevilments. And then the other one is that I, I am, that I am, uh, how does it go? It's about I'm, I'm controlled by my emotions. I don't know exactly how, um, how it says exactly, but I'm a person who I'm controlled by my emotions. And both of those things will cause me problems of all the bedevilments with. But for me, those two were the worst. And what has happened for me by being able to do the things that I've done in Alcoholics Anonymous with the 12th step is that it has taken so much of that away. Now, and I'm going to I'm going to talk mostly about sponsorship because those are my most intimate relationships. 
I do a lot of stuff in Alcoholics Anonymous. I get up, I have the opportunity that I believe is carrying the message. I'm carrying the message today in this room. And I feel that I'm very blessed that I get the opportunity to do that. That, and it is a blessing. And, but I just want you to know that I have no credentials to be a speaker. Uh, I'm not, I don't know the big book any better than anybody else. I have, I don't know AA any better. I don't have any authority in this room. The only thing is that unbeknownst to me, because I was one of those kids in school who got panic attacks and got sick if I had to stand up and give a book report. And for whatever reason, I've been given this gift of gab. And, uh, so it's not really anything. It's, uh, it's just something that's been, you know, given and people who are crazy like Dick keep asking you to do stuff. And, uh, so I, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not, it's nothing special. And I go to hospital and institutions and detox. Dave and I, uh, in Bellingham, Washington, he and I did so much detox, it was, like unbelievable, and of course I would, he wouldn't complain. I would complain. Can't we get anybody in this group to go to detox except you and me? Here are the two oldest people in the group, and nobody goes to the detox but you and me. And of course Dave just sort of tolerates me and, you know, just says, come on, honey, let's get in the car. You know, because <laughs> that didn't bother him at all. But I've always got something to say about it. So, so I'd love to think. You know, you guys think I'm so spiritual, but unfortunately, that's not the truth. I'm going to tell you another story about that too. But what I have been given is this opportunity to uh, sponsor women, and it it came to me really, really early in sobriety. I'm. I come, I come from Texas. I got sober in Texas where we believed in, and I do it today, believe in working the steps quickly and studying the book for a lifetime. And, uh, and I still do that today. I take women through the steps really fast and I don't, you know, on the first, you know, the first, you know, shot out of the, uh, out of the chute, I don't read the whole book with them. We do the steps, and we sit down, and we get through the fifth step. And the reason I feel like if I had not done the the fourth and fifth step early in sobriety, I would not have stopped relapsing. And I kept relapsing and relapsing and relapsing. And I get a lot of people that relapse, too. Um, So I do the steps fast. And then uh, in Southern California, I had a book study in my home for 13 years. So I believe in studying the literature. And we didn't just study the book. We studied the literature. But I believe in getting through the steps quickly. Because what happens is, is somebody asks me, when can you sponsor? Just stay a step ahead. Because what happens is, is how we stay sober, the book says it over and over and over again. It's not having knowledge of this book. It's not knowing how to write a four-step perfectly. It's none of that. It's working with another alcoholic. 
It's important. I feel like if somebody has 15 minutes of sobriety and somebody with zero minutes walks into the room, the 15 minutes go share that 15 minutes. That's what this program is about. And I love the big book, and I study it, and I I could easily be called a big book thumper, but I love the 12 and 12. I love the language of the heart. I use a lot of the literature. And what happens is, is that all the knowledge in the world in that book will do me no good if I am not working with another alcoholic. It says that that will ensure sobriety when everything else fails. And I can tell you a lot of times I get a call on the phone, especially when I was new. And if I didn't have that newcomer to talk to and to work with and to share with, I'm not sure I'd stay sober. I'm, I so understand when Lois, when Clancy was talking, Friday night. I get it when it was said, but Bill, you're sober. Because I can tell you there are times when I don't have an ounce of sobriety. Or or I feel like, especially in my early sobriety, but somebody would call. And because I believed you never say no, you do what you're, you know, when AA calls, you go. I would help that other alcoholic. I don't have a clue what happened to her. But I know I stayed sober. I know I stayed sober. And uh, today I feel like that. I don't, I, I sponsor a lot of women. I don't know what I do for those women. But I know what they do for me. Because I'm a Bill Wilson. I am one of these people that came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous behind three suicide attempts, and the last one I nearly made. I have been depressed in this program until I was 12 years sober. And I know that I have done everything that this program has asked me to do. And sometimes today, I used to think that having depression, being having that in me, that that being my nature, I understand that today, and I got that from the 12 and 12, the exact nature, and um, I know that today, because of that, it keeps me doing what I'm doing. And I used to think I'm, there's something wrong with me. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I should not be depressed anymore. I shouldn't have these problems. That shouldn't happen. But I have a wonderful AA sponsor, and I don't know of anybody who has a better relationship with God than Dottie. And I've watched my sponsor walk through so much adversity. And, um, and she's just beautiful because everything she does includes God. And she says, Polly, let's look at it, you know, from a new perspective. You know, there are no negatives in God's world. It's just my perception that's negative. She says, let's look at it, at it for a new, from a new perspective. She said, suppose you never had these problems with depression. Suppose you didn't know what the solution was for having those problems as depression. Do you submit, do you imagine that you would be doing all the things that you're doing in AA 
if you didn't have to work that hard? And I'm like, oh. So one more time, whatever I think is a negative is a gift. So today it's my gift because I have the solution for depression. And if any of you have ever read Bill W.'s Our Next Frontier, Emotional Sobriety in the Language of the Heart, you will know that what happens is people like me hang on to faulty dependencies. I hang on to what you think of me, uh, how much, you know, I, I used to think, well, when am I going to get mine in Alcoholics Anonymous? You know, when am I going to have money? And when am I going to have all these things? When are those kind of things going to happen to me? Well, what I found out is, is maybe I wouldn't do very well with that. And maybe that's not what's supposed to be going on. Because it looks like every time Dave and I seem to get a little bit ahead, it's bang. You know, and it's just like, maybe that's not supposed to be what we're supposed to do. Maybe if I had that, I wouldn't do what I'm doing. So what happens is, is I've, I have the greatest gift that I have received. Well, I have lots of great gifts. I don't know why I say it like that. But one of the gifts is, is that I have become and am still becoming to accept me more and more for who and what I am, the person I am, and what I have is exactly what I'm supposed to have. And that the women that are sent to me are sent to me because I need those women. And for whatever it is, that's a spiritual axiom. That we, it is a spiritual axiom, I believe, that we attract what we are. Because I can assure you, a lot of those women have the things that I have. And it's very, it's, <laughs> I do this workshop called Emotional Sobriety. And I often say, if you are suffering from depression, hang on, because what you're going to get is a bunch of depressed people. <laughs> and my depression is a lot less aggravating when I'm on the pity pot than when I have to listen to 50 people on the pity pot. <laughs> So, and one of the things that I have also learned about depression and has given me the opportunity to work with it because I have the women that I get to work with, and that is, is that depression is the highest form of self-centeredness. And as my sponsor Dottie says, Polly, it's not necessarily that you think well of yourself It's just you think only of yourself. (laughs) So what happens is, because I get to sponsor these women, is I get to stay out of me. Now, I am one of these alcoholics that cannot spend much time up here. I just, it's it's not a safe place. But if I'm talking the program to you, I'm not thinking about me. And I have no idea what the results of that is. Um, I am a woman who relapsed a lot. And uh, guess what I get? Relapsers. And uh, 
some people say, well, you shouldn't sponsor people who are drinking. Well, I don't know. Bill had a sponsor who was drinking. And uh, I sponsor people who are drinking. I sponsor a woman who uh, next month will take 21 years sober in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I sponsored her for two years drinking. Frank Honeycutt, the man I, the most admired man in my world, and he's one in the big meeting in the sky now, and those people that Sandy was talking about, and as soon as I heard that song, I thought about Frank Honeycutt. And what happens for me is Frank Honeycutt couldn't stay sober. Nobody gave up on Frank. And when Susie, this gal <coughs> that I sponsored, and she ended up living with us for a year and a half, uh, she'd come in on Monday night and she'd be drinking, and, and Frank would grab her and give her a big old kiss and say, Susie, you smell so good on Monday night. <laughs> and... I got this little sweetheart right now, and uh, she keeps, I mean, she keeps coming back. I mean, Susie kept coming back, Pearl kept coming back, and uh, Julie keeps coming back. She just, you know, she keeps coming back, and, uh, but she's, you know, I don't know, maybe she's pulled together about four or five days now. But what happens is, and is that, my sponsoring you and me loving you is not contingent on whether you're sober or not. That's not the deal. And they keep saying, why do I drink? I kept saying, answering that question. And I just look at it and I said, because you're alcoholic. That's why. We just have to stop passing judgment. We just have to stop passing judgment. I don't, I don't know. I don't get to pick and choose who invites me into their life to sponsor them. A lot of people will ask me to sponsor them because, you know, they see me at a conference or something like that, and, and I never hear from them again. But then there are the women I hear from a lot and who stay with me and who stay close. And what we get to do is we get to walk this together. And we get to share this 12th step with each other. And we get to stay sober. And I know that that book says, when nothing, when everything else fails, help another alcoholic. And I'm telling you, I am not so spiritual that I can sit and pray myself into being okay. I turn my will in my life over to God. I do everything that it says in the 10th and 11th step that Sandy was talking about today. And then what I do is I am on the phone. And I get to talk to these women in my life. I get to show up at my home group. And I went to my home group. I, we started, we got, uh, I st- got, um, said that I was a member of this home group, and I don't know if any of you know that, but that's all you have to do. You just say you're a member, and you are. I don't care what rule they have, you are. And uh, what happens is, as I said, I was, a, you know, I'm gonna. This is my home group. I'm gonna be a member. And uh, but I, if I have a home group, I need a job. So I said, 
Um, as a home group member, we need to call a business meeting. When's the last time you had a business meeting and elected positions? Well, they didn't know. I said, well, it's time. I need a, I need a job. Now, one of the things that I feel like today when it comes to, to traditions and what's going on in, in Alcoholics Anonymous is that I'm old, so I can say what I want. <laughs> and, if the, you know, and if I see somebody doing something I don't like and I think maybe it's a little violation and all of that stuff, I may say something. Now, I haven't got a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm not really big on a lot. You know, all groups have their little own little rules. For the most part, I'm not too much into that. It's okay. But there are some that I'm really into. And that is, if you say you're an alcoholic and you come into AA, you're welcomed into Alcoholics Anonymous. And what happens is, is I don't know how many meetings that you have been in that drunks come in and people get upset. (laughs) Now, the last time I looked, this was Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, do I think that an alcoholic ought to stay in the rooms and disrupt? No. But I certainly feel like it's my responsibility to get up out of my seat and take that person and go talk to them. Because the most important thing I'm going to do is share one-on-one with that alcoholic. That's the magic. Is when I get to share with another alcoholic. And uh, one of the things that I also have a little, this is not in the big book, this is an opinion. Uh, I hear a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous, and they go into meetings and what I call uh, spread the mess. And one of the things that I'd like to say is, is that, and they'll say things, well, if I can't do it in here, where can I do it? Get a sponsor. None of that. You know, if I were a newcomer and I heard some of the stuff that was dumped in meetings, I don't know if I'd come back. And the thing about it is, is a lot of us has had some tragic lives. And what I believe is, is I just use a little thing, take the solution to the meeting. It's not that you can't share that. Just don't share it when it's a mess. Share the solution. Take the mess to your sponsor and then bring the solution to the meeting. And if you have a sponsor, then there will be no, there will be no need to vomit on a meeting. We'll have the solution. So, One of the things that I think is an amazing thing with the 12th step of Alcoholics Anonymous is sponsorship. And uh, one of the things, somebody, somebody will come up to me and say, well, I don't have any sponsees. They're really not hard to get. (laughs) And one of the things that happens is, is that 
I know a lot of and somebody else was talking about this this weekend. I can't remember who it was about. I don't know where we ever got the idea to interview sponsors. I don't know where I don't know where that came about because that's certainly not the way we started. That was not the way. You were assigned a sponsor, and that was your sponsor. And what I do with the women I sponsor, what we do, is that in most meetings, now this was particularly in Southern California and in Texas, uh, you have to stand up if you're a newcomer. Now, in Florida, you don't have to do that, and in Bellingham, you didn't either. But, no, I think we did in Bellingham. We did. Dave's saying we did. And you have to stand up if you're a newcomer. Well, you know, if, if newcomer women stand up, you know, I'm looking at the women that I sponsor, and they're looking at the women they sponsor, and then there we go as soon as there's a break. And we ask them, uh, do you have a sponsor? And if they say no, I'm it. They don't know. They're new. They don't know the difference. <laughs> they don't even know that what a sponsor is. Now, I don't know about you, but when I came to AA, I did not know what a sponsor was. I didn't know if I was going to be sponsored into a club. or I mean, I didn't know what it was. And I learned what a sponsor was. And if they don't like you after a while, okay. So they move on. So what? Your ego, I always say my ego probably needed that. I needed to get fired and then move on. So those are the kind of things that happen. Just go ask, just go tell somebody. There is, if you don't have a sponsee, it's in my opinion, it's because you don't want one. Because let me tell you, as my son James says, with a lot of this stuff, mom, it's service. It's not always fun. And um, today is a memorial for a beautiful member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and her name was Greta Vanek. And she had 22 years of sobriety that she celebrated in a hospital, and she had that 22 years on September the 23rd. I always know it because that's my belly button birthday. And she's having a memorial today because she is a sponsee that I lost. But she was a beautiful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. So sponsoring is not always easy because what happens is, for me, is that has become the most intimate relationship I have because I will share things one-on-one with another woman that I would never share with my husband. It is the most intimate relationship I have. And when you have those relationships, and when somebody passes on, it breaks your heart. Love you, Ralph, Kathy, and John. But that's part of it. So what I suggest is grab a sponsee, get an intimate relationship, and do the thing it's better to love and lose than not to love at all. Does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. When somebody dies that you've sponsored and they didn't get sober, does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. 
But that's what we've been, that's our job. That is our primary purpose. I am so glad I don't need to know what I'm, go- I'm supposed to be when I grow up. I know what I'm supposed to be. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. My primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. That's my job. Now, I'm retired now, but I used to have a job, and I used to just say that's my seventh tradition. You know, that just that's just my no dues and fees. I just got to go be self-supporting. I used to say my life starts at 5 o'clock. That's when my life starts, because I know what I'm here for. I got a job. I don't have to worry anymore what I'm going to be when I grow up. Practicing these principles in all my affairs. Well, I kind of gave you uh, some examples of all my affairs when uh, I got sober. Uh, I'm grateful for that Alcoholics Anonymous has given me so many gifts. And one of the gifts is, is that I was a very angry, rageful person. And I took that anger and rage out on my sons. And um, by God's grace in this program, and I, t- and I truly believe it's grace because it's a total gift, uh, I don't have that problem today. I can't even remember the last time I lost my temper. But I know my grandson, a couple of years ago, lost his temper, and he took his phone and he smashed it. And, you know, that would have been something I'd do. I'll show you. I'll hurt me. You know, that's the kind of stuff I would do. And I just hugged Ryan. And I said, Ryan, Grandma used to have a temper like that. I used to hurt myself and break things, and I was just so sorry. And, um, and I know you don't feel good when you do that. And, um, and I can do that with women I sponsor who have trouble with rage. And I believe only God's going to lift that. There are some things that I have to do, but only God's going to lift that. And I'm grateful that that character defect has been lifted. Uh, can I act out and be rude and disorderly still today? Well, this was some years ago, but it was really... Uh, an amazing thing because I was on, Dave and I were on our way to Akron and I was going to speak at Founders Day and, um, and I was so excited. I'm going to Akron. I'm going to speak at Founders Day. Well, weather started to cause a problem. And so our airplane was landed in Chicago not to take off for Akron. And uh, we were standing at the American Airlines desk, and I was just, I was giving this poor ticket agent all kinds of grief about getting us on another plane. Now, I am on my way to an Alcoholics Anonymous conference. I don't want anybody to miss that, okay? <laughs> Practice these principles in all your affairs. And... uh Dave looks at me and he says, Polly, this woman is trying to help us. And thank God for people who will love you to call you up short when you are being a total jerk. 
And, you know, I immediately made amends to her because, you know, I was just her, you know, 199th headache she'd had. And here I was carrying on and carrying on. Now, today I'm grateful for that embarrassment and what happened because I can tell you that happens a lot. If you're going to be on an airplane, it's going to happen. And it's not going to always work out the way you want it, especially today. I was Who was talking about airplanes aren't as much fun to fly on as they used to be? I can't remember who was talking about that, but that's true. It ain't like it used to be. And uh, But to, to have to practice these principles in all my affairs. A lot of us have jobs. And uh, one day... During my job, I was not particularly fond of my boss. And most of the people where I worked were not fond of her either. But what would happen is, is I caught myself getting involved in gossip and blasphemy of that boss. And I can tell you that that made, I, and you know, I would get to where I didn't want to go to work, you know, because I would be, and I didn't realize that what was happening, again, find out where I'm, if I'm disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with me. And what I realized was, is I was participating in that gossip. And here I am, a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're supposed to have this wonderfully spiritual program. Now, I know this program is made up of really sick people. But we are, we have had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And if so, my behavior should begin to change. We have been transformed. We have been reborn. That's what the book says. So that means that I believe because I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and because I've had the privilege of being sober in these rooms and working with other alcoholics, I believe that I should look at the fact that I am responsible for how I behave because what happens is I may be the only big book anybody reads. And if I'm sitting around talking about people, you can be sure, I have learned this, that if I, if somebody starts coming to me talking about somebody, I just, I just do a note to self. If they'll talk about them, they'll talk about me. So, I just try to be careful. And don't say things about other people unless they're present. If they're present and I, you know, if I, if I can't say it in front of them, it doesn't need to be said. And the other principle that I try to do, and I don't always make it because sometimes we, we get people, we meet people in Alcoholics Anonymous and they're harder to love than other people. Some people are just harder to love. Uh, they may have, there's a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous that have 
you know, some mental illness. Doesn't mean they're any less alcoholic. Just means they have a mental illness. Sometimes those people are harder. My job is not to talk about them. My job is to love them and accept them just the way they are. Is it hard to work with people like that? Absolutely. But what I try to do, I don't know what you try to do, but I try to stay out of, I try to practice the tradition of not getting into any outside issues. And if there, I don't want to talk about your medication. I don't want to talk about any of those things. What I want to talk about is your alcoholism. And the rest of that is none of my business. So that's been something I've had to accept in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Because, you see, I had judgments on all that. I had a lot of judgments about stuff I didn't know anything about. And today, I stay out of those controversies. That's a controversy. And um, and I just try to accept people and not judge people because one of the things that I truly believe my higher power wants me to do is to love his kids. It's to absolutely love his kids. And I know God loves me. With all my heart, I know he he loves me because I'm sober, because I have Dave, because I have the relationship I have with my sons and grandchildren, and because I have the relationships I have with you. The 12th step is such a gift. Please don't miss it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.